And now for your listening pleasure, here's Polizzi and Rose, PR with this old marketing. Take it away, boys. Hello, my friends. This is Robert Rose, and welcome to episode number 231 of PNR's This Old Marketing, recorded Friday, the 20th of March, 2020. And with me, my good friend, my colleague, and a guy who's so hip, he was self-isolating before self-isolating was cool, Mr. Joe Polizzi. How are you, my friend? Actually, true. That's that's true. It is absolutely um, true. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's funny. Uh you know, our, I guess, you know, we both know Demian Ross. He's spoken at, at Content Marketing World. He created a magazine about sort of just traveling and going, uh, you know, going westward. Right. Literally and, living in a van yes, by the river. Exactly, yeah. doing that the same thing. Yeah. And he, he had a little post that said, uh, you know, I've been doing this self isolation thing for three years. It's really not a big right. deal. Uh, exactly. Yeah, it's, uh, it's strange. I see. At least while the weather is okay here in Cleveland, there's a lot more people outside doing outsidey things, but they're staying far apart from each other where <laughs> they're not doing it together. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, it's sort of, um, you know, who knows what a new normal will be after this whole thing is done, but it just, it's just a strange feeling. I don't know how you're feeling, but it, the whole, everything just seems like, we stopped one reality and now we're starting with a different reality and we don't have an ending to it yet. Cause we don't really know where it's going to go. That's right. It's, 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 you know, so personally I'm going from, you know, I guess the, the word would be highs to lows very quickly. I'm sort of ping ponging back and forth between sort of looking at this as a, like, just as you said, sort of a reboot and a time to, expand and a time to really open up and and really redefine so many things of what we're doing not just in business but in life um you know i'm finding some comfort in spirituality and i'm finding certainly um you know a, a nice time to spend with my family and and all those things are great but then you know at the same time it's very worrying you know what's coming you know down the pipe and the unknown and as one of my uh, spiritual mentors said to me, it's an interesting time because right now the known is dangerous and the unknown is safe. And, you know, what we're talking about here is the, the unknown being, oh, everything's going to get back to normal. But when it's, you know, oh, things will be, you know, we'll, we'll be, the economy will be OK. But when, you know, it, that that idea is so hard for people to grok to get their heads around the idea of when, and it becomes very stressful, right? It becomes very stressful for you to know that things are going to be all right, but not know when. And, and the known is of course the place where, you know, did you wash your hands? Did you get your things done? Did you get groceries? Do you have enough toilet paper? You know, all of those things, which are easy to know are the scary things. And it's a really weird imbalance to have, um, a, as he said, a dis-ease. Um, and it's a, it's, it's a, it's a weird, weird time for sure. I think the strange thing for me to get, I mean, you know how much I look at the economy and policy around it and the stock market and finances. But what's, what's weird to me is really how strange to me is how tenuous 
the United States economy really is when it comes down to something like this. And I, my heart goes out to a lot of people, especially in the service industry, that are pretty much not working. And they won't be right. working for, uh, I don't know, who knows? Could be the next six weeks. Hopefully, that'll be it. But it could be much longer, depending on how things go. And how we've always been taught for how many years that you want to keep, you know, if you can, six months of cash resources just in case something like this happens. And I know for a fact, as you do, that most people don't have that. Most people have, no. if at all, maybe two weeks That's right. of, of cash That's right. to pay the rent, to or, do things. Or don't have two weeks at all, yeah. right? They're, they're, they're working off, you know, negative, yeah. right? I mean, in other words, they're, they're already behind. Man, I remember years ago, well, I guess this was, this is right about 9-11. And... You know, didn't you know, didn't have much of a job, didn't have much money at the time, and how I was really wanting to get to twenty thousand dollars in my savings account, like that was the goal. I felt twenty thousand dollars, we could we could definitely live for six months on twenty thousand dollars, and I really wanted to get there. And I remember the day that <laughs> right. I got there, I was very proud because I'm like, okay, if something could catastrophic happens we can make it uh but i i don't think most normal people are like that i don't think that's a normal thing uh i think a few of us are um you know who that you know if you read books by michael lewis and you think that things you know the end of the world could happen soon because of our financial systems uh then you might believe that but most people don't so but i might just heart goes out to people that are in a really tough <clears throat> situation um yeah, and for hopefully sure. we can get through this as quickly as possible, and we can all get back to whatever normal is on the other side. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and that's that's it. It's a when, right? You know, it's when we can when we can start to really move forward. And this is not the week for that, nope. right? This is, you know, this is the you know everything that I'm seeing out there and talking with friends and family. And if you're out there in the audience listening, you know, it's I my heart goes out as well, because this is the week, me included, by the way, when quite honestly, it's like the last thing I want to do is work. The last thing I want to do is is, you know, um, basically do anything other than sulk, quite frankly, uh, you know, in many ways or. It means, you know, I, I come in on a high and want to go, you know, record a podcast or something like that. So it's 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 a very I think next week and the week after maybe, you know, maybe a little better um, for people as they start to get used to this new normal and start to say, OK, now how do we actually operate in this world? Right. How do we operate in this environment that has like you just said like literally popped into our reality overnight, seemingly. And how do you actually start to operate in that world? Well, I mean, our regular listeners uh, will know this, uh, but you and I just have decided to make a change. So most, most every episode that we've ever done of this old marketing, we've decided to send it out at six o'clock PM Eastern time on Monday. And then generally what happens, at least what you and I have heard, people listen to it on Tuesday. They listen to it in the morning right. on Tuesday, you know, yep. sometime on Tuesday around the world, somebody listens to this old marketing, which is absolutely fantastic. 
But you and I were just talking about how fast the news is moving and how what we talk about right now may actually not be as relevant on Monday because as it's Friday. (laughs) So what we're going to do. Blog posts and posts are not aging well right now. (laughs) It's like, uh oh, this is changing by the second. So what we've decided to do, uh, this could be just a short term decision or we could do it for a long time. We're just going to produce this immediately. So what's going to happen is when we're done recording this one on, on, this is Friday afternoon, Eastern time on the 20th, uh, you'll send your copy over to me, Robert. I'll produce it up in the next couple hours. We'll get this baby out the door. People can listen to it whenever they want over the weekend, or you can listen to it on Monday or whenever else. So I just thought that that was the right decision for now. Uh, almost like this consistent inconsistency. We'll still be sending it out on a consistent basis, but we're not going to deliver it to the minute. And by the way, I've been always obsessive about that stuff. I'm like, you right. got to deliver yeah. it. Well, we're living in a different world right now, at least temporarily. Right. So we're going to go yeah. with it. They can be consistent. They can be. Audience oh, yes, be consistent. absolutely. But set your alarms for Monday at 6 p.m., uh, Eastern Standard Time, and that would be the that would be the time you would normally see it and avoid yep. it otherwise, or just listen to it over the weekend as you get to it. You know, it'll age as it ages. No, the best the <laughs> best one. This happened what a couple months ago, and I set it I set it for Monday at six, but it went out six a.m. instead of six p.m. And I texted yeah. you, and I said, Robert, I'm so sorry, I made a mistake in the system. I set it for six a.m. instead of six p.m. and you said, I thought it was always set out at 6 a.m. <laughs> I'm like, forget just, I'm like, forget I even texted you that. Yes, that says more about my <laughs> attention span than it does anything that you would have done. Uh, okay, well, shall we uh, shall we to the news? We should. Yeah, we did. Uh, there, there's plenty to talk about, including a fun thing that we get, we'll get to that has been a little bit all over social um, in your feed, certainly. But um, we'll not open with that. We'll open with our top of the show, which, of course, covers some of the news that basically builds in the theme. And, of course, what else are we going to talk about um, as our main story? But, of course, something related to the current world that we live in. And the headline is going to come to us courtesy of Folio Mag, um, which has always been a great magazine, by the way. And the headline here is coronavirus coverage is driving massive traffic to publishers, vendors say. Parsley, Chartbeat, and Live Intent report spikes in engagement, open rates as publishers tear down their paywalls. And the article opens up by saying, as an ever-increasing portion of the global population finds themselves confined to their homes this week, coronavirus-related coverage is driving major surges in web traffic to publishers. And not just those that specialize in hard news, multiple vendors are reporting this week. The analytics firm Parsley, whose referrals dashboard indicates that search engines are driving a larger portion of referral traffic to its 2,500 plus member sites than at any point in the last 12 months, tells both Axios and Recode that coverage explicitly related to the coronavirus pandemic accounted for 13 to 15% of overall web traffic to these sites from March 6th to March 12th, dwarfing the activity on content related to the upcoming presidential election. The article goes on, by the way, to then talk about some other sources that are finding roughly the same thing and basically concludes that it's, you know, <laughs> the coronavirus is a popular topic <laughs> right about now, um, which is, yeah. yeah, I think the interesting thing to me, and I would love to get your take on this coming from where you come from. But but the, the, the interesting thing to me was 
the ones, the publications, as the article points out, that are pulling down their paywalls yeah. um, in terms of making this coverage available, because what they're finding is, is that it feels a little skeevy to make people pay to get access to this kind of news that is such in the public interest. I just think that's an interesting long term thing. Um, what say you? Well, I have a couple couple takes on this. First of all, I think we just should just have a, a nice little uh, two snaps up for the internet that is held up. <laughs> like our our internet <laughs> network has right? held up fairly well over the last yeah. week, and there has probably never been um, as much activity as we've seen in the last week. So yeah, yeah, no kidding. Good job. Yeah. Uh, I think you're right. I think it does feel a little bit, and, and you, as you put it, skeevy. That's a really good word. I think that uh, this will drive long-term decision-making in publishing, in media, but right now all bets are off. Just like you and I just made this decision to change distribution. I think that all of these publications need to change the way that they do business to make sure that anyone that wants information off their site especially reputable publishers, they should be giving that out. I mean, the Cleveland Plain Dealer, which is the newspaper for Cleveland, Ohio, uh, they just offered a free digital subscription to anyone that wants it, which I think is fantastic, which I think is what other newspapers around the world are doing. Because for it's just weird how this has changed people's media consumption habits. People right now are more desperate for correct information than they were in the past. And when That's I say right. in the past, I mean two weeks ago. It didn't seem as important when people were sending around some of the fake news stuff on social media and people were like, oh, I'm taking that. Ang-. Well, I'll tell you, they're outed a lot quicker by folks as something that could kill you if you do not have the right information. <laughs> right. So this exactly. is really, really important. So it's interesting that this is happening. I I don't know. I mean, you, you talked last uh, episode about you know, how much of the event business that we're in from, you know, we've been in from online to, to in-person. I talked to another, a couple <clears throat> event producers, in-person event producers this last week, and <clears throat> they talked about changing their cancellation policy. Because most of the time, if you, if you run an event, your cancellation policy is pretty much, you know, let's say six months before the event, you you can't cancel. Like you can maybe get half the feedback and then something like 60 days up, you're, you're not getting your feedback no matter what happens. And right. there's, there's a reason for that because there are, there are hard costs involved. You need headcounts. You need to do the things you need to do to run an in-person event. And those are those costs are already, or those revenues are already going to work to put on a great event. It makes sense. But in talking to these event producers, they're pretty much throwing this out the door. They're like, we have to completely change our cancellation policy. You've seen that happen in the hotel industry. You've seen it happen in airlines. Uh, I just went to, uh, I think it was Hyatt or Hilton, just looking at their site. And they're like, oh, from, from March 15th to April 30th, you can cancel anytime, no matter what, whenever you, whenever so that's kind of the world we're living in. So it's going to be interesting to see, okay, people are taking down their paywalls. We're changing our cancellation policy. Is this something that is going to be a long-term decision? I think that it's, it, we're going to wake up in a different media environment entirely. That is where I agree a hundred percent and was really the reason that, um, you know, we wanted to talk about this particular article here is because I think that's the, that's the point is that, you know, 
nothing, nothing changes the world like a catalyst for change. And boy, has this been a catalyst for change. And I think what you're going to find is, is, and this is, I'll talk a little bit about this when we get to rants and raves uh, about all the things that we, you know, all kinds of media and content consumption. You know, I think this is going to change the way you know, movie theaters release movies, television shows release television shows, newspapers operate, magazines operate, content marketing, and all of that is going to change on the you, other side of this. You yeah. want a prediction? I have a movie theater prediction. Let me let me run it by you. Here's what I think. Yeah. So whenever the movies come back online, let's, so let's say that a, an AMC movie theater has 200 seats. I think that you'll start seeing remodeling happen where you'll see Three, three seats, two seats, but they'll be very much spaced out from each other. So a 200-seat theater might become 75 or 100. So that's one thing. Here's the crazy one. I want it, So here, I'm really, and I, I want a great reaction out of you when I give you this wonderful idea. <laughs> we are going to see the return of the drive-in movie. It's already happening. It's already happening. Well, see, I told you. Yeah, it's already happening. There's an article. I'll, 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 we'll have to get it into the show notes, but I just read an article this morning about how drive-in movies are having a, uh, having a moment right now because yeah, people are going to, people want to go to the drive-in movies. That yeah, and it's nuts. and by the way, the technology's there, right? I mean, because it doesn't have to be the crazy speaker, awful sound that you you know that you uh, that you used to hang oh in your my window. God. You put it on Kids. your phone. You can uh, put yeah. it right on the radio you could, channel. No, you yeah, you put it right through a Bluetooth, or you put it through a Wi-Fi connection, and you get great sound through your stereo. Yeah, right? It. I mean, you know, yeah, it's yeah, it, no, it'll. I think you're absolutely right there. Yeah, I thought it's, that. It's see, I thought that was a that was a novel prediction, but it, it is obviously. Well, maybe you should start the next drive-in movie theater in in Cleveland, Ohio. Uh, man, they all shut down. There used to be some. Really I, well, good exactly. Ones. That, yeah, they're all. Yeah, you could buy one gone. today for cheap. No, we were. I mean the. Somebody was talking to me about the funeral industry because I, you know, I, I spent quite a few years in the funeral industry. Just wrote a book about a funeral home, but uh, we were talking about how it's—I don't know, if it's temporary or long term—about how it's changing from funerals and services to live streaming. So you can yeah. actually see, you know, be part of the services, but you don't have to go there in person. That is a That's- huge thing right now. And by the way, funeral homes have never done that. This is completely new. So they're trying to really figure out the technology curve so they they can offer you know streaming video out to who you know mourners and loved ones it's just crazy so anyways i didn't mean to cut you off but but i i'm no, good no. at it i do it all the time so yeah well you know you're a professional <laughs> you're a, you're a professional at it right you know it's all that self-isolation you don't really know how to socialize no, I don't. anymore it's I a- don't. It's, i was so excited <laughs> to talk to you today like, yes like, hello <gasps> well yeah. Hello. Um, so we'll move on now to our article segment where Joe and I pick up a couple of articles that have come across our desk over the last week or so. Um, and uh, we do have actually one that's not coronavirus uh, oriented, and it'll be the one that we open up with here today. And so for all of you fans of the show, longtime listeners of the show, this will be a very uh, familiar conversation for you. It certainly has already started on social media when it came out uh, last uh, week. Um, And the story comes to us uh, courtesy of comicbook.com, which basically tells you everything you need to know about the veracity of the story. Do not take the discussion by putting it in. Why don't you just wait a little bit? All right, hold on. 
Hold on there, Sparky. Um, <laughs> the headline is Apple in position to buy Disney, according to an analyst. Um, and the article opens up by saying, if you thought Disney was the king of the castle after acquiring 20th Century Fox last year, you might want to sit down. After the stock market has started on a slippery downward slope as a direct result of coronavirus crisis, one Wall Street analyst suggests a company the size of Apple could swoop in and buy Disney as its stock continues to fall. In a letter to clients Friday, Rosenblatt Securities' Bernie McTiernan which again tells you all you need to anyway, suggested the Tim Cook led company could make a reasonable bid for Bob Chapek's Disney that shares of the latter have slipped 36% since January. Um, The article is very shortly conclusion uh, comes to a very short conclusion there, basically with a quote uh, from uh, the analyst that says, we believe those with long-term horizons like mega cap companies with large cash balances and those equity outperformed Disney over the last three weeks, like Apple, could take advantage of the volatility, McTernan writes. Uh, And the upside from acquiring Disney would be securing their content streaming strategy, potential synergies from adding emerging Disney ecosystem to the iOS platform. Well, go. (laughs) Oh, well, as as listeners to the show know, this is something that not you per se, but... I have been talking about for many years. I think we... we not per se. I not, have. Not, not, 2013, not 2014. I, you, you have. That was my yes. prediction that, that Apple yes. would buy uh, Disney. And <clears throat> it came up in an, what, an episode maybe four or five weeks ago where... No, it, was, it had to be more than that. Let's say six weeks ago before the stock market fell down where, yeah. where we got into this discussion and said there was no way it could happen now because of the fact that Disney's market cap was just too high. And... It would be silly for Apple to purchase Disney at such a price. But as we have seen, uh, Apple's <laughs> Apple's uh, Disney's market cap went from about three hundred billion dollars to one hundred and sixty-five. <laughs> That's as of uh, today, March twentieth, and it would be relatively easy with. Um, see, uh, there's mixed signals on how much cash Apple has on hand. Uh, I, it's either somewhere between 100 and 210 billion dollars in cash on hand a little bit of stock a little bit of uh, I mean there's basically free money going on I don't know if you've noticed the Fed is giving away money right now to businesses yeah. that will invest it would cost them almost nothing to do this at this point now it's not just about the money it's not just about Apple could do it it's because and I don't know you know, we haven't really talked about this before. Apple's business model over the last five years has changed significantly from a hardware provider to a services and content provider. A lot of people haven't noted. A lot of people just still think they, oh, they're selling their iPhones. They're selling their Macs. But the big growth engine in Apple right now is services revenue. And of course, they've gotten into the content business as well. And now, maybe more than at any time in history, Disney's business model would be a perfect fit and there would be a synergy there with what Apple is already doing. So it's not like they'd have to make a 180 change. They'd have to actually just buy an increase of 30% overall revenue and they would become the leading content distribution provider in the world in two seconds. And Apple's already playing that game. We've talked about it for 10 years on whatever. How long ago? How long have we been on this show? Eight years. Oh, yeah. Eight years. Right. Seven, eight, eight years. years. Yeah. So we already yeah. know that Apple is a media company, 
and they would double down in this area. So those are my two things. It's not only can Disney be bought right now, but the fact is is that the business model of Disney now fits the change in Apple's business model. So there you go. What do you got? Come on. Bring it on. <laughs> Makes too much sense, doesn't it? It's too good. Uh, first of all, first of all, <laughs> we were talking earlier about the Kevin Hart and Stephen A, um, the two of them arguing on ESPN. Feels like that. Like, first of all, Stephen, you're ridiculous. <laughs> um, here's the thing. No, this is not going to happen. I mean, so just let's, first of all, let's just look at the article. The article, um, as I commented on one of the social posts, I forget which one is ostensibly the same thing as saying, you know, right now, Robert Rose is positioned well, uh, to take a free vacation to Wuhan, China, um, and, and save a lot of money. Um, yes, technically it's true, (laughs) but Ain't nobody going to China right now. Um, and that's the that's the thing with this. Right. It, the 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 circumstances have indeed changed um, and are very different right now. But that doesn't mean that Apple is going to completely come in and buy. Now, here's here's what would be interesting. Right. Which is also not going to happen, but would be interesting, which would be for Disney to sell Apple. It's. Uh, content platforms, right? Uh, Apple, I can't imagine that Apple and Tim Cook want to be in the theme park business. I just can't imagine that. Um, you know, I, I just al- wait, don't- wait, 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 wait. They already are in the theme park business. Have you been to Apple stores? They're already, see, that's not. Oh, come yes, on. Absolutely. No. Have you been into an Apple store? It's, yes, not, it's not like yes. any I've, other. I've had occasion it's, to go to an Apple it's store. It's where you go in and you, it's like a Lego store. You go in and play with stuff, and you might buy something, and you might not. But you're basically there for the experience, just like oh, Disney World. Same thing. By the no. way, Disney the theme park revenue is such a small part of. It's actually not. It's actually a quarter of their revenue. Oh, so basically, yes, a small part, seventy five percent from other things. It used to be much bigger. Right. Well, product is ten percent. So it's it's. I'm looking at the statistics right here. Okay. Media networks, which means basically all their like ESPN and and ABC and all of that, is twenty four percent of the revenue. And studio entertainment, meaning feature films and franchises like uh, Star Wars and and all of that, is eleven percent. Okay. So it's thirty five percent of their business is content. That's significant. I, I agreed, but that's the part that they want. That's they want thirty five percent of the company, and in order to get that, they're going to have to take over, uh, you know, a a a you know, whatever it is, sixty sixty five percent of the well, the, the, the other, rest of it the that they don't want. What's the other sixty five percent? This actually doesn't equal a hundred in this okay. thing that I'm looking at here. So it's 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 basically parks and experiences are twenty six percent. Uh, studio entertainment is 11% and direct to consumer and international meaning products and stuff like that is 9%. So, okay. Let's, um, so let's just say, yeah. let's just, let me say, I, let's say I agree with you. And I say that, okay, let's say the Apple does not want to be in the park business and the experience business from that standpoint. So you take 25% yeah. off the board. The other 75% Apple is already in every one of those businesses that Disney has, selling products directly to consumers, the content business, the media business, 
Everything. They're already doing. So it makes too much sense. And here's the thing that a lot of people don't realize, and you and I have already disagreed with that, because I think that Apple TV Plus is going to be floppy McFlopberg and never going to happen. <laughs> it's not, I don't care if you say the morning show that, is good no, here's the and thing. all that it, stuff here, is not happening. They are yeah, going okay, to spend so, billions of dollars on this thing and it's going to be a losing proposition. Or they could say, wow, Disney Plus already has 30 million subscribers. They've done pretty well. They already have the greatest content in the world. We should do that. Yes. Okay. So here's the thing. That when one of the things that I was going to have us do that I I've clearly didn't have us do was I was actually going to have us argue each other's point. In other words, you, I was going to have you argue why it won't happen, and I was going to argue why it will, um, which I thought would be fun. Oh. We've 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 gone well past. Very, that. Well, very hard to um, do when when you have no argument. I mean, that's the- oh, see, that's <laughs> the, see, yeah, see. Here's the thing: the, if it was just the streaming service, I might even I, I might even. Uh, Agree, right? Because the streaming service, I agree with you. I think Disney's streaming service is actually going to do very well in the long term. And I think Apple's is probably, unless they get um, much better at original content, is 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 not long for this world. I just, unless they, here's, here's what I guess I would say could happen in this extraordinary circumstance. I could see Apple coming in I'm weirdly saying I don't know. I'm not going to say that. Go to the dark side. No, except, no. <laughs> it's except just not going to happen. Surrender. It's just not going to happen. They're not going to make that son. big a bet. They're not going to make that big a bet. They're certainly not going to make that big a bet in the world that we live in right now. They're just not going to. Apple has historically never made that kind of bet. So that they just don't spend that much money in one fell swoop um, for for that kind of. Uh, you know, that kind of business. I just don't see them doing it. If Disney were to divest themselves at some point of, of part of that, then I could see them buying pieces of it, but I don't, I don't see them uh, buying the whole, the whole thing. Man, I'll tell you what this, to me at this price, this is Facebook buying Instagram for a billion dollars. This is Disney, Disney in, but it's not going to be a billion dollars. It's we're talking about somewhere in the neighborhood of a hundred to one hundred and fifty billion dollars. It's going to be it would be much more than that because they would pay a premium over. uh, They'd pay at least two hundred fifty billion for it, in my opinion. But the thing is, if you look at what's going to happen, would you pay two hundred fifty billion now for a trillion dollars in ten years? Would you? Well, of course I would. Well, that's that's what a silly question, that's, but that's, but that's exactly not, what's going to happen. Uh, yes. You, <laughs> see, the people don't realize that, that Disney right now has, the, has a little Netflix inside of them that nobody has been valuing at, a Netflix, at Netflix valuations. That it's already going, it's already happening. It's going to happen. There's another $150 billion in value in Disney right now that everyone has discounted. So if I'm Apple and I'm like, oh my God, we can get a Netflix and all of Disney like right there for $200 billion or less, I'm taking that. I'm jumping at that opportunity when I don't have to pay any interest on any money that I borrow right now. It's free money. Free. That's it. That's all I got. I'm tired of making all these really valuable arguments. It's, I'm exhausted. Well, you should be because they're awful. They're absolutely awful. 
<laughs> to quote Kevin Hart, you're ridiculous. It's the whole idea is ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! Yeah, uh, yeah. I think I've I beat that beat that media horse to death. You definitely beat that horse to death. Yes, you you did indeed. Thank you, you for indeed. indulging me and my little. I love it when an article. Oh, by the way, a shout out to Will Reed, who was the first to send this. Will, so Will texted me this. I said, "Have, have you seen this?" And I, of course, when I saw it was from a reputable site like ComicBook.com. I'm like, oh my god, I got to share this with the world, <laughs> which I immediately did and tagged you on it, and we've been having yes. some, quite a bit of fun with it online. So, it's totally fun. It's totally fun for any of you out there who think we're actually upset about this. Please, you know, I mean, do you remember Content Marketing World a couple of years ago when we did that little video and people really thought we were mad oh at each my other? Gosh. Like people actually thought, like we, of course. Yeah. It was all tongue in cheek the whole time. We were having a great. Yeah, it was like an office oh, episode. We did. We were yeah. having such a great time with it, and and I came off stage, and they're like, "Oh my god, are you really upset at him?" And I'm like, "You're joking, right?" That was. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this is, this is this is totally fun. All right, yeah. so uh, our next story. Well, let's move on, um, and it is coming to us courtesy of BuzzFeed of all places, um, although there are numerous places where this is uh, getting discussed. And it's about Facebook. Um, and it basically is an ex- explanation about why Facebook has been marking posts about the coronavirus as spam. So this week, uh, if you didn't notice, there was a big, what turned out to be in an update, uh, basically Zuckerberg came out and said that this was a bug, not something that they were doing on purpose. Um, it was a technical error that they were marking anybody posting something around coronavirus as spam and basically deleting the post. And so nobody could post about coronavirus, which of course is what everybody is posting about on Facebook right now. Um, And so many people complained. And the article basically goes on to explain about how Zuckerberg came out and said that the problem was caused by a technical error. Uh, That's not the news that we want to cover. What we wanted to talk about, and Joe, I would love to get your take on this because mine, when the first thing I saw this, and I, I, I said, huh, well, therein lies the problem with them being, you know, any kind of editor, right? They're not good at it yet. And this may be one of the reasons they're resisting doing things like fact checking or news checking, because even something as plainly simple as coronavirus and being able to edit out, you know, what they were hoping to do, which I, I'm assuming was fake news or the conspiracy theories and all of the nonsense that's going around about it. They, you know, that, that alg- it was an algorithm gone wrong. And this is this is one of the challenges that they're going to have by doing anything that looks like editing or maintaining some level of uh, truth to their to the content that's going up. Um, what did you think? Well, I- I thought this was actually a really good, uh, I don't want to call it a dry run or a beta test, but right. But yeah. in, in, in moving up to the election where we start seeing more and more fake news, uh, this was a really good uh, test to see if it could be done. And obviously it can't uh, <laughs> at this point. Yeah. Right. And that's fine. Uh, we're just not there yet to do that. But th- that's this is how hard moderating especially since face i'm i'm under the assumption that facebook's traffic has just gone through the roof since everyone oh for sure yeah even just like you scroll through facebook where you would have seen 10 likes or 15 likes now you see 60 likes yeah that's right really crazy um i 
I think this is a really good thing for Facebook. I think that they're on their way. They're probably 18 to 24 months from their artificial intelligence engine really working on in an enough so that we don't get these kinds of errors. Um, I'd like to say that we're ready for the election season, but at this point, I don't even know what the election season is going to look like because right. they can't even go out and tour. They can't, can't do anything. But I think that that's, this is the challenge. I've even been, somebody brought this up the other day and I don't want to sound morbid or anything, but somebody said, you know, now would be the perfect time to attack a country. <laughs> when everything is disabled. And I'm like, don't say that. That's terrible. I don't want to hear that. But it's awful. That's awful. It's just awful. Isn't that awful? But <laughs> it's totally it's awful. It's totally awful. But at the same time, weirdly true. Um so this is so let's just not say it's a real war type attack. Let's just say it's a data attack. This is what this is the time when you've got Things that well, are, it's happening. Yeah, it's, it's happening, and it's going to get yeah. really worse. I mean, they've, and that's this is where Facebook, hopefully, what they've learned from election season th- four years ago, is that they have to ramp that up. And are I would rather see things get flag wrongly like they are now than the other way around. I don't know about you. That's my take. Yeah, I think, well, I'm, I, I agree with you. And, and just to the point we were making earlier in the show about the idea that the media world is changed forever with this, I think this is, like you just said, a good, you know, dry run or test case, because one of the things of anybody developing AI or AI algorithms to do this kind of thing, the thing that you need is data, right? Lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of data for the computers to chew through. To be able to start, you know, the more data that you have, the more accurate, theoretically, you can you can be. And boy, do they have, you know, this is a this is a perfect test case for them to have a ton of data, traffic, content to analyze, you know, and semantics to to look at, to be able to start to make better decisions. And so it's one of those things where I think because of this, the development of new technologies to be able to do this is going to get better. Um, And the, you know, the developers working on this are going to have better information and better data to work from. And so theoretically, we should get some interesting things out of this on the on the backside of it. I sure hope so. Uh, Yeah, and I do. Frankly, there's no there's no excuse anymore for Zuckerberg and Facebook team to get their act together. Frankly, any media company. This is the most important thing. Uh, making sure our information cor- is correct is is the most important thing for our audiences right now, especially at this time. So we should be doubling down in that area. And I hope they do. I hope they do. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Our last story that we'll cover here, and this is more, again, just using this story as an excuse to have a different kind of discussion. Um, it comes to us courtesy of Ad Age, um, and it is about uh, a campaign, marketing campaign and content. And, and in this kind, it is Ford who is pulling all of their national vehicle ads and replacing them with a coronavirus response campaign. The article opens up by saying Ford is pulling all national ads promoting its vehicles and will replace them with a new campaign describing how it is responding to the coronavirus, including give Ford credit customers some payment relief. The effort includes two new spots built to lending at hand and built for right now from Whedon Kennedy of New York, which of course play off the automaker's regular tagline, built Ford proud. The article then goes on to talk about the uh, timing of the new campaigns and some of their rationale for doing so. And I think 
more than talking about the Ford campaign, which we could certainly do, Joe, yeah. but I'd love to get your take of just, you know, because I definitely have a take and I have been talking with clients about this, about what it means to do marketing right now. What, you know, what does it mean to do marketing in, in this environment that we find ourselves in? You know, it's interesting. I was thinking a lot about this. I read through this and the the thing that really got to me, and I don't know if you you were thinking about this, but how tentative advertising is, especially when the majority of the things that people, that companies spent advertising on, March Madness, all the sports, are gone. That content is gone. So for the next two months, none of that content exists. And everyone had all these advertising plans around those things. And wouldn't it have been nice if we weren't so beholden to advertising and we would be working more on our own channels? That's the thing that I thought right away was, wow. Now, I mean, how long were they planning for all these things in March Madness and all that? And then, you know, they had the ads done. And now you realize that you probably can't use that or have to postpone those and use those as, a, as a, at another time because you're, you're you, you can't you just can't communicate like you did yesterday. That has changed entirely. Um, what's your, so what's your take on what are you re, what are you recommending to your clients right now as it, as it comes to the, maybe a shorter term content mission or advertising mission, whatever marketing mission uh, yeah. until things blow over or maybe it's not until things blow over. Maybe it's just a new way of doing business. You know, here's what I've been um here, here's what I've been I've been saying to 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 clients. So so there's sort of two things. One is timing, um, and it's a little bit like we were talking at the top of the show, where you know this week may be the week to just shut up, right? This, this week, you know, yeah. as as people get their affairs in order, basically. I mean, that's what we're all trying to do is you know get our collective shit together. Um, is to just maybe shut up, right? You know, for example, I stopped all my social, right? Other than responding and, you know, commenting and, um, you know, and, and that sort of thing. I, I 98% shut down all my social tweets, marketing and promoting my articles and all yep. that this week, just because I didn't, I didn't want to be adding to the noise. Now I'm, I'm not, I'm not in any way criticizing those who chose not to do that. I, it was just a choice I made. Um, I also chose, by the way, to not do a lot of outreach this week. Um, you know, and even, you know, we sent one email um, to all of our clients and all of our subscribers and our audience. Um, and my audience is, you know, for, for content advisory is relatively small, only a couple of thousand people. Um, but it, you know, ba I basically said, you know, the headline was, you know, what to, what to say when there's nothing to say. And I basically said, we're here. You know, if you want to talk, we're here. And that's it. That's 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 all there is to it. Um, now, having said that, there will be a time and it will be soon, I suspect, um, where, you know, it's time to market again. It is time to go out and get to business and, and start immersing ourselves uh, in the, you know, uh, in, in the, in the world and operate it, whether or not we're operating in this new world or we're operating in a world that has returned to some level of normalcy, it's going to be time to start marketing again. And what I've been telling clients is that first of all, this is a time 
and I, I think you agree with this, this is a time when content marketing may have its greatest moment in the sun ever. That's right. Um, and and th- this is the time to lean into content marketing. And I say that not to be self-serving. I say that to be, you know, this is as earnest as I can be. It is the time to be helpful. It is the time to add value. It is the time to deliver content that is inspirational, entertaining, valuable, utility-like, whatever definition you like of, of delivering, you know, useful, valuable content to your audience audiences. Now is the time to do that, but it needs to be done in context. And what I've been advising clients to do is to look at their content and make sure that what you're not doing is teaching people fire safety while their house is burning down. And, and so in other words, and I'm getting this a lot, right? So I get this, you know, I had a financial services company, um, that I happened to do some work with and they sent out some thought leadership stuff, which was how to optimize, you know, your 401k portfolio. Not the time for that. Not, not the right thought leadership piece at this moment, even though it's useful and it's good thought leadership. It's not the right time for that. I've had airlines send me articles on all the amazing ways I should be using my points and frequent flyer miles to plan that trip. Not the, you know, nice, entertaining, fun, fluffy article, not the right time for that. Mm -hmm. So you've got to look at your, you've got to be able to pivot quickly your editorial and look at what's in the queue, look what's in the pipeline of content you're developing and make sure that it's context sensitive to where the world is right now. And that's just generally speaking. But in this moment in particular, it's time to lean in. There's certainly time to lean in and develop content, but make sure that we're doing it in a way that delivers that value in the context in which people find themselves. It's, and so, yeah. It's so funny you say that because I got, I, I won't say the name of the cruise line, but we are, um, we are, we were, pl- we were planning, our planning, we're planning to take a cruise in November. So still you know, a long way away. And I got the email, here's how to make the most of your upcoming cruise. Just got it a couple days ago. I'm like, I don't want to see that. I don't want to see, you know, I don't even want to, I don't even know if I want to be reminded of that right now. I don't even know if I, I don't want you to even tell me I booked my cruise <laughs> right. right now. Because either right. way, I feel, I don't feel right about it. Because I don't know yet. Things are going to change. I'm sure it'll be fine, but I don't know. So you're right. It's just, it's almost irresponsible what some of these companies are doing when they just keep going as business as usual. So, you know, back to the, back to the article. Good for, good for Ford for at least not going out with their regular. Yeah, I would love to see this happen with some of the insurance companies where they would. They, yes, that exactly. one that, What's that one that the, he licks, uh, licks Tina Fey's face and the whatever. Is oh, that the Allstate um, or the. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's, yeah, it's Allstate. Yeah, please, please don't do that. This is, I don't want to see that anymore. I don't. Right. I get upset. So take it down. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Judd Apatow had a, had a, had a tweet. Um, where he said, basically, commercials feel weird right now. And I, I agree. I mean, certain commercials feel weird right now. Sometimes content can be, quite frankly, a welcome distraction. You know, I mean, I will tell you, <laughs> I was, I'm going to, I'll be posting this later. So spoiler alert for you. Um, not that you read my social posts or anything. I do. But, I do. but I have been immersed. I have been immersed. I can tell you, all the free agency deals going on in the NFL oh, football, right now. I can tell you football. the amounts. It's the only thing going I, I on. Can, it's the only yeah, thing going on. I can on. tell you 
I am, I, you know, I'm a football nerd. I am a football nerd with a capital N E R D right now. I mean, I am just immersing myself in the NFL right now. So, which has been fun and distracting and enjoyable for me. So that kind of content is a great distraction. Oh, and by the way, congratulations to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers for getting perhaps the greatest quarterback of all time. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'll just oh, leave dear. I'll just leave that. Yeah. I'll just leave yeah. that right there. Yeah, you yeah. just leave that hanging there. Exactly. Just leave it just leave it hanging there. The Tampa Bay Bucks. Yeah. 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 Um, all right. Well, uh, we, we, you know, in all of this, we do have a wonderful sponsor to talk about. And our sponsor is, uh, I think, doing a, a neat thing. Yeah. I, you know, go ahead. Yeah, you, exactly. You I mean, we, uh, you know, we're not going to be marketing uh, physical events, at least for the next few weeks, most likely. But is there ever been a better time to um, get up on your training, your marketing training? And uh, I've, you can't say you don't have the time, right? Uh, and so what Content Marketing University is doing for everyone is they're giving everybody uh, a $200 coupon off on training. And what they're going to do is extend this deal up to April 30th. And what normally happens is this is not available right now. Uh, but what Content Marketing University has done is made this available for everyone. Uh, I think you should check out the program Um I mean, I can say that, you know, the person that put this program together, he's a little off sometimes, but really amazing information <laughs> comes out of this gentleman. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, go ahead. Get Robert put uh, Robert Rose put most of this together. It's fantastic. Go ahead and go to contentmarketinguniversity.com and you can sign up and use FRIEND200, FRIEND200. You can use that in all caps. You get $200 off. Your subscription, your shine, as you would say, your shiny subscription to Content Marketing University, and you can do that until April four, uh, April thirtieth. And I, I would, I mean, geez, I think now is a great time because a lot of yeah, people will be, tell me they yeah. can't do this because they just can't make the time. It's usually not a monetary thing. So right. what Content Marketing University has done, they've taken both these things away. It's pretty inexpensive to do with the coupon, and it's available, and you've got some extra time. So let's make it happen. Yeah, absolutely. It's a it's a it's a cool time to be able to do it. I'm super glad that they that they um, made the deal available. Um, I'm proud of the class. I'll be honest. I, I'm really proud of the class. And I think if you don't like me, there's plenty of other material in there as well. You know, some of the great talks and and if you miss content marketing world or content tech in previous years, there's some great, 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 great content in there. In addition to the backbone class. So yeah kudos and and hopefully you can get your content marketing training on there you yeah. go so th there you go Absolutely. so Make okay good all right ladies and gentlemen well it is now time for your empirically driven results uh, yeah. uh, which is the favorite part yeah. of the show which of course is our rants and rave section where joe and i go off on a little bit of a rant or a little bit of a rave uh, that makes us feel like we should stay in isolation or something that makes us feel like there are new brew skies ahead um and so let's see uh do you want to go first or you want me to go first uh, i can yeah i can go first uh i don't <laughs> mind it's just a commentary I've been seeing. Okay. So I'm gonna I'm gonna start with this article. This is from the Los Angeles Times. The article name is "Will the Fall Off in Ad Spending Bring About a Recession?" And it's sort of a continuation of what we were just talking about, where the the content available. And we talked about that from the sports standpoint. From a lot of the things that we were watching. Uh, I mean, late night talk shows are are off right now. 
uh, we've, we've still, for all the changes in our marketing industry, we still have put so much focus on the advertising part of our industry, which maybe now is the time where we'll learn our lesson uh, and we won't be uh, so focused on that where, I mean, I've always said, when people say, how big is the content marketing industry? I always say, well, if the advertising industry is the sun, the content marketing industry is Pluto. It's not even a planet. That, that's how I've always described it. I would <laughs> right. like to see us become a little bit bigger, maybe a, a Mars or an Earth or something like that, uh, so we can get a little bit more importance as content marketing in our industry. And as you said before, this may be the, and I hate to say this, I don't want to say it because uh, this is a good thing because it's not, but this is probably the single greatest event that will ever happen to the content marketing industry. I mean, the last thing, the, the last event that happened where content marketing started to take a leadership position was the Great Recession. Uh, yeah. In 2008, 2009, a lot of people pulled back in advertising. A lot of people shut down their marketing. And what happened in 2010, uh, there was this shiny new thing, even though it wasn't new, <laughs> but new to a lot of people. Uh, content marketing came out in 2010, and a lot of people got behind it. They wanted to be trained in it. They wanted to know how to do it. Uh, and that worked for you know a long time. Ten years, So 10 years later, we're at this point where, and you just made that case just a few minutes ago, now we have an opportunity to to take a fresh look at our marketing and we're not we don't have to do the things we did before you can honestly say you can try new things you need to do through new things we're not going to do business as usual we can't do business as usual so maybe we need to take a look and say how do we really communicate with our customers long term what do we have to offer our customers from an ongoing basis I mean, we're given this wonderful gift of being able to regularly communicate with our customers. And now maybe our customers are more open to that. Uh, so let's not, let's not squander this opportunity is what I wanted to say. So the Los Angeles Times article is just where, okay, that's what we're thinking. Oh, my God, what's going to happen to advertising? Are we going to go into a recession? But now is the time to sit back and say, how are we going to communicate with our customers? How are we going to build an audience that truly trusts us so that when we come out of this thing, whatever it looks like, uh, we're sort of walking hand in hand with our customers instead of trying to interrupt them in to totally new and different ways. So there you go. Yeah, that's I like that. I like that a lot. I'm Obviously, I like it a lot. It's, um, you know, what we've been preaching and evangelizing for forever and ever. And you know, and again, not self-serving necessarily, but just, you know, sort of is what it is. Um, and it's, it is an opportunity, I think, and it's an opportunity for us to evolve the way that we create content and the why we create content. And, and, you know, it's sort of a no duh that you want to be helpful in this, in a time, in a global crisis like this, but, um, now and, and in the future, it's sort of, it, you know, it's sort of being, being prepared, mm -hmm. right. For, for what, you know, for the next thing that, that may come down the, 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 the pipe. Um, all right. So, yeah. So thank you for that. You that's, yeah. that's, and, that's uh, and you, do you have a rant or a rave? What do you got? I, well, it, it, you know, I, I don't think it's either. Um, it's, it's firmly in the camp of, and before I, you know, sort of go into it, it's firmly in the camp of, okay, I get it. It's not the thing you need to focus on now, but I want everybody to have something in their head as they move forward with triaging whatever it is um, they need to do in the immediate, you know, in the immediate future. 
And so, you know, it, uh, the article that we'll put in the show notes that is sort of, you know, the, I guess the thing to talk around is, and there, but there are many, many articles out there it comes from Digiday. And it's basically the headline of the article is publishers are putting virtual events to the test as in-person gatherings disappear. And this is no surprise to anybody right now. You know, certainly CMI, you know, um, is, you know, moving uh, events out to uh, August. The content tech event is, you know, moving up actually some virtual events um, because we've been doing virtual events for, for a long time. And, you know, as is indicated with the IAB has moved their event to streaming only. Uh, the Collision Tech Conference has been reimagined as Collision from Home. Uh, IBM Think, the developer conference is now an online event. Octane Conference is now an online event. Um, you know, even Workday, the sales kickoff meeting is now an online event. Here's the thing that I want to say, and it feeds right into what you just said, Joe, which is when we get back to some level of normalcy, physical events are going to come back. They just are. We know this, right? So, you know, there will be physical events, but as we've been talking about all show, the world of media is changed and will have changed. And one of the things that's going to happen here, I just mark my words, is that as many of these brands, especially, and perhaps some of these media companies as well, the idea will see that going digital was actually a really profitable move, right? What's going to happen is, is they're going to, the leadership's going to observe, hey, that was a lot cheaper. They'll argue that it was easier to set up than the physical event. And they'll argue that for whatever quality was sacrificed, it's more than made up now with how efficient and easy it was to do the event in a digital format. And so everybody's going to say, let's do that. Here's the thing. They will be right, of course. It will have been cheaper, it will have been easier, and it will have been um, an easier, more profitable thing in the long run to do. And they will be making the exact same huge mistake that publishers and brands made about digital marketing and advertising 15 years ago. And what I mean by that is back in the early 2000s, and Joe, you lived this, yeah. you and I have had many beers and wine and cocktails over this. <clears throat> in the early 2000s, as digital media was getting going, there was the, this concept of, you know, trading analog dollars for digital dimes, which was basically and it was made famous by, um, of course, NBC Universal chairman Jeff Zucker, who, you know, sort of started it by saying trading analog dollars for digital pennies and basically upgraded it to digital dimes. And the concept was that digital was cheaper, easier and so what happened was the sales guys and media companies gave it away. It was a make good, right? It was like, yeah, of course, we'll just throw in the digital mm -hmm. stuff. Yep. And buyers valued it for exactly what it was, which was cheaper, et cetera, et cetera. And so it became sort of, you know, the place where eh, we also do digital. Real marketing is happening over here on TV and print and radio <clears throat> and, you know, stadium naming, et cetera, et cetera. But this digital idea is over here, you know, with the interns and with the junior level people and the young people who tried to make websites. And brands did the exact same thing. Brands did the, you know, the, the websites and digital strategies were quite frankly, just, you know, our signpost on the information superhighway and digital sort of became the afterthought, right? Yeah, we have to have digital, but it's cheaper. It's easier. What we need to understand in this new world is that over the next decade, we all discovered that digital was actually a thing, right? That we needed to treat content. We needed to treat digital strategy as just, you know, as valuable, if not now more valuable than the physical thing that it replaced. 
here's the thing that I want people to just to have in the back of their head. And I get it that this isn't the thing that you can focus on today or next week. But just as you start to make that virtual event virtual and that physical event, realize that the medium is not what makes the content valuable. You have to understand that the digital experience and the strategy you put into it might even be more valuable. And we all do this. We all do this. You know, for example, I get this question all the time. Oh, you're going to deliver a keynote in person. It's X amount of dollars. Oh, you're going to do a webinar. What's my discount? Yep. No, it's not. No, it's not a discount. It's it's your work is as valuable. Your work is not diminished by the medium in which it's given. Now, here's the thing. What it assumes in that statement, the value of your work is not diminished by the medium. It assumes that you're putting the same care and feeding into the presentation of that experience into the medium. In other words, you're not just hacking together a digital event based on lifting out the physical event and throwing a bunch of webinars together. You actually leverage the digital medium for what it is. You actually create an experience worth and you repurpose and repackage and reuse the content like you would in any other smart content strategy. So as you're doing this, gang, thinking about how to either take your programs, digital and virtual, from the physical, realize in the long term, please don't make the digital dimes mistake and, and, and assume that because it's digital, it's cheaper and therefore should be cheaper. Put the same care and feeding into the strategy and the experience and so that it becomes actually an expansive, an additive, a ma- an, an added value and more expensive maybe than the physical version. And that's my that's my cautionary tale. I, guess. I think that's, that's a great point to think about it where <clears throat> a lot of people might think, oh, we're going to do a... Um an online event now is that just what is that just a webinar is that yeah which by the way it may be just a webinar but probably is it it probably isn't it's probably something else there are a lot of options out there i mean shoot i did i think i was in my first virtual event in 2003 i mean they've come a long way right that's right over the past 20 years there's a lot of different technologies available but you, to, to your point about content too, the care that needs to go into this, don't just olay it uh, because you think it's easier. Um, that's a great point. I love it. Yeah. 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 So uh, you going anywhere? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not going anywhere, my friend. I will be home um, in, in isolation. <clears throat> just last night, the California governor came out and said, basically, stay at home. Um, They're not using the term, by the way, shelter in place, because for us Californians with wildfires and earthquakes, shelter in place has an entirely different meaning. Um, And so they're using just the, you know, the standard, please stay at home. Um, We're basically closing down bars and restaurants and all the rest of it and keeping some things open here. But but I'll be home. I'll be home working and basically doing what I do. And you? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm looking at the next you know, a few weeks to a few months to, uh, to work on my next book. Um, I would like to, yeah, I figure I would like to get it done sooner. I mean, I had a goal of, uh, I mean, I would like to get another book out in 2021 and now is a really good time to get back into that. So I started it and, you know, waiting for that nice run that'll come very soon where I, you know, can kick out a couple thousand words and feel like I'm making making some uh, some good inroads into the, nice. into the next book. So, I like it very much. Yeah. I can't wait. Yeah, well, we'll see. I we'll can't see. wait. We will We will see how it goes. But, uh, yeah, so uh, be safe to everyone out there, and and um, don't take yourself too seriously, I guess, is the, <laughs> is the yeah. other way to go. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Be safe, everybody. 
we're thinking about you. And um, as Joe mentioned, we're going to be publishing these things right away. Um, we may actually go on a little bit more of a frequent um, cadence now that we're sort of home and can do that. So be, you know, be watchful of extra episodes and those kinds of things as we move forward. But for now, that's it. We're signing off. And we hope you like this episode number 231. And won't you subscribe if you haven't already? Get yourself that shiny new subscription. Go review us if you want to review us, especially if you have nice things to say. If you don't have nice things to say, there's not really any sense in reviewing it. Just don't listen. Um, and, you know, if we're going to be doing stuff um, as much as we can here. But if you want more of Joe and me, Joe is at joepolizzi.com slash newsletter. And sign up for that because it's just fantastic. It's just a wonderful way to get your content delivered right to your inbox. And for me, you have the same thing, which is contentadvisory.net, which of course is going to have all of our content strategy, content marketing strategy, goodness. And of course, hashtag us up on social. Everything we talked about will be in the show notes, but we want your story ideas. We need your story ideas about what we can talk about, especially if we're publishing a little more frequently. And until the next episode, folks, remember it's your story to tell. Tell it well. Be safe out there and we'll see you soon on This Old Marketing. Mm-hmm.